Do you know what I love best when I'm with a guy? It's when he comes at the same time I do. Okay, that is the top of the mountain experience for me. But it rarely happens. And that's because there is an orgasm gap. Women take a little bit longer to come than guys. And that's why you need to use Promescence Delay Spray. It is the only delay spray that is clinically proven to make you last longer in bed without having to worry about lasting longer in bed. And that's because it will not totally numb you out and it's not going to transfer to your partner. And for your partner, you need to get her some of my personal fave, their warming gel. They have a whole line of women's products. They have supplements that make men and women horny. They have lube and condoms. They have everything you need for a hot night of sex. And just for listening to my show, Promescent is going to give you 15% off your whole order. Not 15% off one thing, 15% off everything you buy. So order up and use my code strictly15 at delayspray.com. That's strictly15. Use it at delayspray.com for 15% off your first order. Or just go to the description, click on the link, and 15% is going to be automatically applied at checkout. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy, if you want to be on the Strictly Anonymous podcast, this is a call-in show where people call in, most of the time very anonymous, telling me about their naughty secret lives. If you have a naughty secret life or just a very interesting life that isn't secret and you want to call in while remaining anonymous, I change everybody's voices, I change everybody's names, you could call into the show. You could send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. You could go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. Or you could go to Instagram or Twitter. Follow me at Strict Anonymous. That's at Strict Anonymous. And you could DM me there. You could also call my anonymous confessions line. You have four minutes to leave a message. You could confess anything you want. If you need a little bit more time, call again. You could call 24-7. That number is 347-420-420. Three five seven nine. That's three four seven four two zero three five seven nine. Today I have on the show Annie Undone. Now Annie has been on the show before. She's a polyamorous, kinky, queer kinkster. I don't know. This is hard to describe. She's a lot of fucking things. She's a smart bitch, is what she is, and she is polyamorous. She's hardcore polyamorous. With her husband, I've been together a long time, but they've only been Polly for like two and a half years, but they've done a lot. She's been on the podcast before her first episode. There'll be a link to that in the description, 449. Annie is a married polyamorous kinkster who loves group sex. That first episode, you'll get a lot of her backstory on. You can listen to that. On this episode, we talk about where she is currently. We also talk about a zine that she published, which is a book of her poetry and stuff about her first year and a half in the poly world and what she went through. 
If you are Polly or into Polly, thinking about Polly, want to know more about Polly, she's the girl you want to know. She's That's the book, Zine, you want to buy. You want to follow her on Instagram. All of the links to all of her stuff will be in the description. She came on today to talk about her zine that she's publishing. But also, like I said, tell me what's, you know, give an update about what's going on with her now. And there's so much more than last time. Like she's got a new girl that she's hooking up with and she still has the the other boyfriend that she has and they had a big, hot fucking foursome. Okay, like first she's like, you're going to be really surprised because this girl is like super smart, really well-spoken. And in the beginning, we're talking about her zine and polyamory and all that kind of good stuff. And then she goes into like the craziest story, the foursome she had with her husband and her boyfriend and the girl, her intimate partner, Heidi, and what went down. I mean, there were cream pies galore, which were uh, which was on her bucket list. She was fucking into it. And so it's like a really hot story she tells. And we talk all about that and the dynamics and all the new things that they've been getting into. One being that, you know, her and her guy now go and sleep over partners' houses uh, separately and see people separately and how And that has been for both of them. It's different for her than her husband. And we talk a little bit or a lot towards the end about, you know, her husband's, not issues, I wouldn't say issues, but her husband's challenges that he has come across being Polly and the relationships he's had because they're having different experiences because, you know, she dates different people. He has a hard time. I remember that in the first episode too, you know, but They've been together for 18 years, so they have a very solid background and able to do this, Uh, but she's not someone that sugarcoats things. She's very honest about, you know, the hot things that go on, the difficult things that go on, the good things go on, and I forgot, she talks about her mom, okay? This mom comes into play who's another fucking character. Like, you can't believe what happened, and she doesn't sugarcoat that either. Like, her mom's super open now and really into her lifestyle, but it wasn't that wasn't always the case and we get into a little backstory about the mom and how interesting her mom is and some hot things that her mom has done and how she shared it with her and how that all came about and that's another interesting story that I had not heard of before so anyway you're going to want to tune in sit back relax and I'm going to be right back on with Annie this is the strictly anonymous podcast Hi, Annie. And Don, do I have to call you? An- can I just call you Annie, or do I have to call you Annie? Yeah, again? Annie. No, you can call me just Annie. Annie, <laughs> but you're Annie Undone, like on Instagram, and you know that's kind of like would you say that's like your social media persona or your professional persona? Because you are kind of like a speaker. You are a polyamorous girl in a polyamorous relationship. You're a kinkster. You're a lot of things right? You were on my show before. If people want to get your big backstory, your first episode is, it's episode, what is it, 449? Hold on, I just had it in front of me and I closed it. One second. Yeah, it's 449. Annie is a married polyamorous kinkster who loves group sex. The one thing I have to tell you that I was like super impressed by on that first conversation was that you have done 
DVPs, not just DPs, which are double penetrations. Those over always fascinate me. But you were like, oh, yeah, DVPs. I'm like, what the fuck is a DVP? And those are like two dicks in your vagina. <laughs> so not. In, well, no, I was on the other side of that. I, I am oh, wearing you, the dick. Right. You had the dick and your guy <laughs> in another girl's vagina. So anyway, you have the, you know, you and your guy have had an open relationship. You're polyamorous. You have a lot going on. People, like I said, could get the beginning backstory to that on the first episode. And they could also now subscribe to your new zine called 24 Hours. Why don't you explain what that is? Because it is your backstory, yeah, so, right? Yeah. So what's interesting is I discovered these zines through somebody else who publishes them, Clementine Morgan. She wrote a very formative zine called Love Without Emergency. It's about polyamory and attachment and anxious attachment. And so I was like, oh, this is a really interesting format to you know publish it. And it just so happened that over the first year and a half of being polyamorous, I wrote a book of poetry, which is now called 24 Hours. It's a story in five parts. Um, and the sections are dawn, high noon, sunset, and starlight. And then there's a fifth section, which is called Splendor, which is a fantasy. But the, the rest of the story is all true. It's about the relationships that I had in the first year and a half of polyamory. And they're kind of broken down into these like very poetic, very raw and honest, like bites, I guess. So it follows a few relationships. My relationship with Sam, which was a kinky dynamic. And he is a was a very lovely relationship for me for a long time. We were together for two years. He's asexual. It was a dynamic where I was the dom and he was submissive. There's a rebound in there, which is the high noon section, which is this disaster of a human I dated named Chad. The sunset section is poems about Sam and Paul, my husband, and I mixed them all up. So you kind of can't tell who is who. Mm -hmm. And then Starlight is about my relationships with Josie and Tyler. And that kind of caps out the book. And then there's the final section, Splendor, which was like a fantasy of like, if I was if I was dead and Sam was left as the, the lone standing person in the polycule telling the story of who we are. But so just explain, because you use the word zine, you use the word book, like is a zine, like a book that's online? So, you know, just so people it, are no, clear. it's a, it's a physical book, but it's done. It's basically like a guerrilla style of publishing. Like I put this together with like very rudimentary. It's like you cut out the pages, you glue them together, and then you throw them on a copier so that they look really cool. So you can do, you can do all kinds of artwork with them. There's, I mean, there's an entire culture around zines. It's, it's a quarter page format. So it's small. You could carry it in your purse. And it's just a way for writers with a platform to kind of publish on their own and get their work directly to, to the people it's relevant to, which I think is super radical. Like, yeah, since we last talked, you know, I've been grappling a lot with my my identity in this in this space, right? Like, who am I? What, obviously, like, I'm polyamorous. I'm kinky. I'm queer. I like to do all this weird stuff. I'm super into sex, and I have a special interest in relationships. But underlying all of that, I'm an artist. And I think that polyamory is a radical way to live your life. Yeah. And so as I was thinking about who I am and how I want to present in the world now that I have a platform, I thought, 
yeah, no, I don't want to give my money, time, energy, and love to a publisher. I can do this myself. I don't need someone to tell me that I'm good enough to put my work in the hands of people who are interested in it. Yeah, for sure. That's the power of the internet. And when you say the platform, I know that you've been up to a lot of stuff since we've last spoke. There are new partners in your relationship. There's new dynamics going on. Like you guys are going out on overnights with separate partners. I'm assuming since you said that, that you didn't do that before. You have a new female partner. You let go of somebody. You had an MMM F threesome, blah, blah, blah. I mean, so much. Like, let's get to it. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. So when I last talked to you, I think I was just starting my relationship with CJ. Mm -hmm. And we are still together, very much together. It's a a great relationship. Um, I also added a relationship with Heidi, who is somebody that Paul dated last year, but timing was a little off for us. So we kind of never got off the ground. But now we kind of came revisited it negotiated a relationship. And we are kind of exploring group dynamics, BDSM dynamics, some kink elements, and like fantasy stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. We're kind of like a safe place to explore fantasies together. So we're working on building rapport to do that. And she invited us to our very first night at like a BDSM club near her. And that what an experience that was. I had never been. Well, you know, it was like we opened up during the pandemic. So we really hadn't had a chance to go do anything like that. But it was like literally the night was made for us. It was a Star Wars themed BDSM party. So we were like, <laughs> hell yeah, count us in. I I made, I had a friend make me a shirt that said, Luke, call me daddy. <laughs> oh my God, hilarious. That's great. And I wore that. And then CJ wore a shirt that said, yes, daddy. <laughs> So it was great. We we saw so many. I bought this amazing flogger, which I have to say I'm in love with. And we saw a lot of things that night. I probably would have done a lot more at this club. Like now I have all these fantasies as it relates to this club. Like they have a medical room there. And like, I just want to make a sign that says, are you suffering from hysteria? And I want to bring my Hitachi and I want to make women come in there so that my husband can like masturbate them out of their hysteria. Wow. <laughs> That's my new goal. What was going on in um, the medical room? Like that other nothing, people were doing? Nothing? Nothing that night. I was like, what in the world? Like this place has stirrups. Let's go. So that was interesting. I mean, there was like a lot going on there. I saw this woman. They had this woman like kind of like vacuum sealed in latex and they were just like beating her and fogging her. And then they put a Hitachi on her. I was very invested in that narrative. But my favorite of the night was this like very androgynous couple and they came in and they were like wrestling with each other on these mats. They were like kind of like wrestle fuck fighting. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing we know, like another guy just comes in and enters the fray. And then like the one guy's like sucking the other guy's dick. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like my biggest fantasy. I missed out on the dick sucking part. Like I ran in from the other room when mm-hmm. I heard it was happening, but I was just a second too late. Remind me, does your that. does your guy hook up with guys? Your husband? No, he is so he is so straight. <laughs> but you would you wish that he would. Like your dick do any what about any of your boyfriends? Not currently, but I'm always gonna hold out hope for that. 
good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty, secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. I love I love guys with guys like that's that's part of that is a huge part of my queer identity is that I love men with men mm-hmm. like it's just such a turn on to me now we have done me Paul and CJ have done a number of male female male threesomes at this point and we all enjoy like having sex together like they don't have sex with each other but they both have sex with me and it's great I have to say like that this is the first time that I've been in a close relationship with another man where I've been able to engage in group sex with two men and myself. And it is everything they say it is. <laughs> I love it. I also like probably one of my most favorite moments that we ever had in, in that combination was I'm like sucking Paul's cock and like CJ is fucking me like super hard from behind. And Paul's like, oh yeah, he's fucking you so hard. Like, yeah, get her, like whatever. And I was like, oh my God, stop encouraging him. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hilarious. The two of them were like ganging up on me so good that I was like, I don't know if I can handle all this. And I love that. But also we have a group dynamic with Heidi. So after the BDSM club, we engaged in a pretty hot foursome, which I loved. Oh, oh, and and I got to I got to check off a bucket list item in that foursome, which was that both men came inside me and I made Heidi eat it out. Oh my goodness, you're going so and fast. Was- There's so much here to talk about. <laughs> Wait a second, so you have the this foursome. Who's in that foursome with Heidi? And like, walk us through it. Who's in that foursome? Okay, so it's, yeah, it was me, Heidi, Paul, and CJ. Okay, so you, and- Heidi, your guy. Now, is your is your husband involved with Heidi and having a relation? No, he's not having a relationship with CJ and Heidi is your girlfriend. Is it also is she also having a relationship with your husband or no? Okay, so here's how this goes. (laughs) So I am in a relationship with Paul, CJ and Heidi. Right. Heidi has a sexual connection to both Paul and CJ. Oh, yeah. So. We've all had sex, basically, by this point. CJ and Heidi don't know each other super well. So they're kind of like deciding where they're at and like still getting to know each other, but they have a sexual relationship. Uh Paul and Heidi dated last year and were in a relationship at that point. They Mm de-escalated. They de-escalated that relationship into a friendship. And now they are friends and also sexual partners. Right. How interesting that like, you know, (laughs) 
He had her first, you know, had a relationship. It didn't work, but you have a relationship with her and it works for you, yet you and your husband work together. You would think that, you know what I mean? If you work with someone, he would too. But I do remember there being differences between the relationships that you guys have separate of each other, right? Yeah. So like Heidi and I have a really very similar relational style with each other. We're both neurodiverse and we relate to each other in the same way. Like we process information the same. We're very close with each other. We communicate in in a very similar style. So we're extremely compatible together and it works really well for us. And we basically classify our relationship as like an intimate friendship and play partnership. I'm very relationship anarchist and I don't want to have a girlfriend that doesn't, that doesn't feel right for me. So I just refer to her as like my partner. And I forgot about that. What does that mean being a relationship anarchist? Oh, you don't want to claim you don't want to make labels like that. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, it's more broad than that. Even it's just that important, important relationships to me are just important relationships. to me. But when I was with Josie and Tyler last year, and they were my boyfriend and girlfriend, there's all of this weird meaning attached to titles like that. I don't feel that that is necessarily an indication of how important someone is to you. Right. So like with CJ, we just say partner, but we have very specific titles for each other and they're very unconventional but it means something to us right they're your own sort of labels but you don't attach the typical stereotypical ones because you feel like that changes the dynamic or it has in the past for you also like just from a practical standpoint yeah I, I tend to approach things extremely pragmatically like it was very complicated for me when I was dating Tyler and I was his girlfriend. And then like, he wanted to have another girlfriend. I was like, I don't listen. I'm not that bitch. I don't want to title share with somebody. I, I'm, I'm unique. Like I don't, it's not a point of defense, but it's like coming from like a BDSM standpoint, mm-hmm. like those titles are, mean something different to me. So I'd rather never have one. Yeah. I got share it. Uh-huh. The- share the same one. <laughs> yeah, listen, when you have like all this stuff going on, I think, you know, you wind up figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And I feel like for the average person, it might seem like totally complicated. But I think the figuring this all out helps make it way more clear for you because there is a lot going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a lot. I like it. Like I'm very interested in like social dynamics yeah. and how like what the interplay between them is. Mm-hmm. If you're not interested in that, oh my god, this would be so overwhelming. Right, <laughs> right. But let's, let's for the people that are overwhelmed by all that stuff. Let's get back to your foursome, okay? Because yeah, the ones, okay, yeah. So, so we had pre-negotiated the foursome as to like basically who was going to do what with who and like how we were going to start because like Heidi and I we made this joke of like. When two bisexual autistic women like negotiate group sex for you, we will take care of everything from the lighting to the negotiations to the music to the condoms. Literally, all these guys had to do was show up. Right. <laughs> and you, With you, you this was prepared ahead of time. Everyone knew what yeah, was going to go down. Everybody knew what was going to go down. Well, and there were some wild cards in this, right? Because CJ and Heidi hadn't even met. Like, right. This was the first night they met and they kind of had to get to know each other like and and see what they wanted to do. So we had some things up in the air and we just kind of all checked in like, okay, are we all good on this? So like their agreement that night was that they were taking penetrative sex off the table for that night, but everything else was kind of on the table. And so 
Heidi and I started with each other because I was like, we'll start, we'll start things and you guys can kind of just come in. Right. Mm -hmm. So we started with each other. Like, you know, I asked her to take her clothes off. Like I'm more toppy. She's very submissive. So I kind of took control of, of that, like starting the situation. And we were like making out. I kind of like kissed down her body. I started like eating her pussy. I, if I recall correctly, I think my husband like was like either eating me out or fucking me from behind or something like that. CJ and Heidi started kissing. There was kind of like, we were kind of, we set up these like pads on the floor. So there was kind of like two levels. There was like the couch level and then there was like the bottom level. And it's like with a foursome, there's always kind of a lot going on. I love Heidi's philosophical approach to this, which is as long as I'm touching two people, I'm good. <laughs> But, you know, like, I kind of am always, like, tracking, like, what's going on in the room, like, and who's doing what to make sure that I'm switching up in, like, a good order mm -hmm. or paying attention to the to the right people and places. So, yeah, in, in this particular foursome, there was a lot going on. I, I think at one point, like, I was watching Heidi, like, give CJ a blowjob, which she gives amazing blowjobs. I I love to watch her suck a guy's dick because she's just so good at it. So that's always a good time. But what is and it that makes it so visually appealing? Is it because she's so she, well, into it? Is it because she deep throats? Like what? what how? She like deep throats like a champ. Like wow. she's good at that. Yeah. I like watching her do it. I like watching the guy's face. Like I've also in the past, like in threesome with her and my husband, like given blow jobs with her. And this is like, one of my favorite things to do because you learn so much from like watching other people do sex acts and like giving them in tandem. I'm always like super impressed. Like I always want to see like, what do people do with their hands? Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? I'm always like really interested to see and like watch, like watch people's faces as it's all kind of happening. So that's always fun. And this is also, I should say the first time that CJ had been with another woman other than me since we started dating. So this was kind of a very formative foursome in a lot of ways. So then like at a certain point, because it was also Heidi's birthday. So we all were kind of like, at one point I remember, because we were giving her like a lot of that, like, you know, birthday love. At one point I remember that my husband was like eating her pussy. I was sitting on her face and CJ and I were kind of face to face in this format. I don't know if she was like giving him a hand job or something or what. I don't know. But he looks at me and he is like, is she doing a good job eating your pussy? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, then you should tell her that. And I was like, oh, I love this. This is so great. We're also like very into like, you're doing a great job. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of like, we're like a very loving, affirmative foursome, I think. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, at one point, like, I was eating Heidi's pussy. She's sucking Paul's cock. CJ's fucking me from behind. And I could just feel like he exploded inside of me. Because, by the way, previous to this foursome, I had told CJ he couldn't come for four days. <laughs> oh, little Dom mommy in like, action. You were <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, so that happened. So then I was like, 
so then I told Heidi, I was like, oh yeah, by the way, like CJ came inside me. Do you want to eat it out of me? And she was like, yeah. So she ate the cub out of me. And then at that point, Paul then had sex with me and came inside me. And then we made her eat that out too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that, and that's just one foursome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was like the light of my life that night. I was like, I'm just living for these like cream pies and somebody like eating them out of me because I have classically always been the person eating the cream pies out of the pussy. Uh, that's what Never. I was going to ask if you've ever been the on the receiving end. So you have. Yes, I have. I have. We did that a lot. Um, me, Josie and Tyler like and and I enjoy that. Like that's fun, too. But who doesn't want to be like the cum dumpster? <laughs> <laughs> right on the receiving end totally i mean i want to do all the things i want to do them all let's leave no stone unturned um so that was like a huge bucket list item for me and like heidi loved it because she's like she likes to feel very submissive and like i don't know that was just like that was that will probably go down in the one of the top three foursomes i've i've had in life because that was just a great that was a great night Okay, guys, listen, I just want to interrupt this episode to tell you about the best wearable vibrator out there for guys. It is called the Tenuto 2, and it's by Mystery Vibe. The Tenuto 2 is the only wearable vibrator designed for his and her pleasure. It has four perfectly placed motors that are not only going to vibrate you in all the right places, it's also going to vibrate your girl in all the right places. There are also eight preset vibes, 16 intensities, and there's an app that goes with it so you can customize your whole experience. The Tenuto is flexible and it will adapt to your penis no matter what your size. The Tenuto 2 is also great for solo sex. Okay, I forgot about that. Want a hands-free orgasm? Go get yourself a Tenuto 2. Go to mysteryvibe.com right now and use my code STRICTLY15 for 15% off. That's mysteryvibe.com. Go now to get 15% off by using my code STRICTLY15 or just go to the description, click on the link and 15% is gonna be automatically applied at checkout. Thanks, Mystery Vibe, for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, that's crazy though. There's other ones up there with with those. I mean, and considering you just started this, you know, in the during the pandemic, we're not talking about a lot of time, you know. Yeah, I mean, we've been polyamorous for two and a half years. I mean, yeah, we started during the pandemic, but we did some damage that year. And we just like, we would just like COVID test and see people. Right. I don't know if that's bad to say, but we did it. No, it was, <laughs> I mean, I have to say what's actually fascinating about you. And I feel like people, it's just like, you know, you start off talking and you're just like, I mean, it, what's so interesting is like your voice. And I, I'm, you know, it's like, here you are, you, you get on, you start talking and you're just very intellectual and you have, you're very well spoken and you're a writer and you can tell you're super smart. And then you're like talking about cream pies. I mean, it's just, you're so well-rounded. <laughs> you're like everything. You know, I just feel like some people would be so surprised that, you know, how you started out, that same person now is going to talk like this. But I think that's what's so great about you, right? Because you can, you know, you're, you're everything. You talk about it all and you're very Thank you. I mean, I think, I think, you know, being part of being intellectual, right. Is, is being able to be sex positive. Right. Like if you can't intellectualize that, like 
pleasure is important and that like I'm also one for like I want to have silly sex experiences I want to do that shit is it weird count me in like DJ and I had sex while he created slides for a class like during a 15 minute break to like turn in that that's that's fucking hilarious like, I love that shit <laughs> right, like, right right that's the kind of shit I want to do yeah right? like I think that's hilarious. And I think, honestly, I will say this too. I think that's handed down from my mom. My mom is the same fucking way. I mean, my mom is great. She has started letting me tell her some of her weird monogamish stories on my Instagram. And like, this bitch let a dude, yes, she let a dude fuck her with saran wrap on his dick as a joke because she was like, this is fucking hilarious. Let's go. Oh my God, she's just open-minded, creative, down, and it just that that part of her funnels into her sex life. But wait a second, when did you yeah. start? Has your mom always? Did we talk about your mom before? Like, has she always? I don't think we did. Been super she, open like this with you? So my mom and I have always had a super unique relationship, right? And we have always like we've always talked about sex very openly since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I remember her like catching me like dry humping my boyfriend at 15 and being like, Hey, get out here. Let's have a conversation about this. And my boyfriend looking like he wanted to disintegrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and my mom and I were both looking at him like, what's wrong with you? Like we're, we're having a conversation. We're having an open conversation. She saw us dry humping. The jig is up. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like dying on yeah. the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's always been like, you know, we had a polyamorous barbecue for Memorial Day weekend a couple of weeks ago. And it was like some queer people, some non-binary people, some, uh, mostly polyamorous people and like a lot of our partners. And my mom came. And your <laughs> like, mom. That's what I was figuring. And my mom. And your mom. What about and your dad? Is there a dad? I am I am not actually out to my dad at all. <laughs> but is your mom still so, with him? No, okay. no, they are not together. They're divorced. Okay. I, I don't I, I don't know if my dad wants to know. I, I haven't I just haven't gone there with him. I don't I don't know that that's worth the trouble. Yeah, that's Maybe cool. Someday. But you were always I think it's great that you and your mom are super open. And but when did she start sharing with you her stuff? And how did she feel when you came out to her about being Polly? When I came out to her, she was actually super pissed. She was like, wait a second, that's a family decision. And I was like, I think by family, you mean me and Paul. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we, have, we have made this decision. She was extremely distressed. Like, you know, it took her a lot to get there in her mind that being bisexual and being non-monogamous were, were things I could do within the context of my marriage. That was a lot for her to wrap her head around. And I had to really be patient and give her time with that. But she did, she did come around when she realized that it wasn't imploding our marriage. And even if it was like, this was who I needed to be. And she finally got there and it, and it was fine. But at first she was, she was very upset and she really wanted to like fight against the tide of that. And I had to really stand firm in what I was going to do with myself and my life. And around about when I got 3000 followers on Instagram, I said, mom, I want you to come on live and like talk talk with my followers about what what this has been like for you that's a great angle mm -hmm. I think that's really and important. she did mm -hmm. yeah she did and it was fun and she liked it and then she started dating this guy Jorge and <laughs> 
this guy yeah. like was asking her questions and all of a sudden she's telling me this story about going to Plato's retreat in like the 70s or 80s. Wow. And I'm like, wait a second. And she's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I went to Plato's retreat. I had this weird threesome with this guy and his cousin. And I'm like, wait, what? And so I'm like, mom, you have to let me tell this on my close friends list. And she's like, okay, sure. It disappears in 24 hours. Tell the story. Who cares? So she lets me tell this story and people are just obsessed, right? Like they love it. So I'm like, mom, you have to let me tell your weird Jorge stories because she starts dating this guy. And all of a sudden she's like in this weird kind of non-monogamous relationship with this guy who's clearly very kinky, but a little bit weird and repressed about it. <laughs> and and so, like, she starts letting me tell these stories. And now, like, for Memorial Day weekend, we we got a hot tub. It arrived Memorial Day weekend. And my mom did a special reading of Hot Tub, which is a T-Pain song uh, for my close friends. So she's really, like, embraced it now. Um, and it's it's really fun. It's cool because I think it's, I think, you know, people are like, your mom is such a legend. And it's like maybe maybe that's true but also i think it's a really good reminder that whether you're 65 or 36 or 22 like you can embrace whatever your sexuality is at any fucking point like mm -hmm. nobody can tell you how to live or how to be you know at 65 my mom had a boyfriend who asked her to pee on him and she, <laughs> she said yeah oh my god <laughs> I need your mom. Wait, I want your mom on my show. She is a fucking legend. But and do you and was it though? Like what I was wondering, like was it you coming out to her? Like did that help her? You know, sort of come into her own and remember who she was, and now she's having all these experiences, or was she always and she just never told you about them? I don't know. I think it's probably a bit of both. Right. I, I'd have to I'd have to ask her. I couldn't assume that because, you know, my mom is like a super unique individual and she has always been really enfranchised in herself and she has a great sense of humor. And I think that I think that me coming out more than anything helped her examine some of her liberal bias as it relates to like queerness and relationship style. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very common. I uh, mean, yeah. look, it's it's one thing to say love is love. It's another to have a queer polyamorous person in your family and have to grapple with the concept of what what the meaning behind like relationships really are. So I think that that more than anything has has been a theme for like the people in our families. But my mom has gotten there super quick. And like, even to the point where CJ moved into a new apartment. And I was like, Hey, mom, can we have that old couch from your office? And then he took a picture of himself on the couch and I like texted it to my mom and she's like, Oh yeah, he already sent this to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was like, you punk cut me out of this communication. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I love your mother. Like I didn't know yeah. that. Like I said, maybe she just wasn't eight months ago. Was she doing, were you doing this with her? Or the, is this a recent thing where she's, you know, coming on your Instagram and stuff? It started around Christmas time when we were baking cookies is when she told me about the Plato's retreat and right. the threesome with the, with the guy and his cousin. And I was like, oh, we cooking with fire now. Yeah, Give me yeah, all yeah. the details. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> what about I know that you said in your email to me, you're like, oh, CJ and I have been like, you know, getting into a kink dynamic. Like and when you use the word kink, like we're into like what is the difference between like 
kink like is because sometimes you hear kink and bdsm or like is kink like like what's the right word like i'm so dumb when it comes to it like what does that mean so fleshing out a kink dynamic what does that mean yeah okay so like the difference between engaging in kink and having a dynamic is that a dynamic is kind of like a set of parameters around a relationship that kind of like you start to settle into so like for example i have a dynamic with paul and I have a dynamic with CJ. They're very different. Heidi and I do not have a dynamic. We en- we will engage in kink, but it's always really negotiated and we know what we're going to do. And if we ever work up to a dynamic, that would be a different thing. I don't want to say that I would count that out, but we engage in kink play. So like you might negotiate a scene if you're just doing kink with somebody. So for example, um, the medical scene that I talked about right. doing at the BDSM club. That's mm-hmm. kink, right? To say like, okay, someone's going to come into a pickup scene and these are what the parameters are. We're going to do a quick negotiation so that everyone knows what to expect. And this is what I'm going to do to you. Do you consent to that? Yes, I do. Here's the safe words that are in place. Great. We just did a kink scene. Yay. Uh, right. Okay. A, mm-hmm. a dynamic is a deeper kink relationship with honorifics, which are titles. So like, for example, with Paul, my title is baby girl, and his title is daddy. And so we have a certain set of things that we do together in dynamic. That's kind of things that as you kind of work up to it, you kind of always know what's on the table. So at this point, like if Paul said texted me right now and said, we're going to do a scene tonight, I wouldn't even have to ask like what we're going to do, right? Because I trust him implicitly to kind of know where where that's headed because we've been in dynamic this long like and he knows exactly what's on the table and what's not on the table right cj and i are building a dynamic so that that takes a little more work time and, and attention especially in the beginning to sort of like know where your kinks are aligned what you do together and how that plays out it's a little more complicated with cj because we're switches but ultimately i always top the dynamic so I'm more in a topping position or dominant position more often in that relationship. That includes things like him washing my hair or certain pain play that we do. And some of those things have to be very strictly negotiated as you're figuring that out. And then some of them now we kind of know what's on the table. So we're still kind of figuring that out. And then like sometimes I might ask for something special, like for example, the weekend that he was here for Memorial Day, I was having a very stressful week that week. And I said, I think I could really use somebody to regulate me and remind me to drink water. And then I would like to make sure that I don't get inebriated and he was like great you can just ask me for permission for whatever drinks you want to have and i'll and we'll set the limit at this and so there's does this make sense how i'm explaining this yeah like yeah, yeah. but what but what does okay. that have to do with kink is that just being like a friend and i don't know like you know in that sense is that <laughs> is it within well, every area of your life or just when it comes to sex or it you know so there's a lot of different ways to negotiate your kink relationship right it can be it can be a bedroom dynamic which is mm-hmm. essentially like you know probably the most classic one like bedroom dynamics are great right and that's just contained to the bedroom and and 
sex, right? Yeah. And then you can have stuff that go- that goes a little bit outside the bedroom. Like when I say, hey, can you hydrodom me and make sure I'm drinking water? And then you can be in 24-7 total power exchange, which I have also been in. Sam and I had a TPE for about six months where we were always in dynamic. He was always submissive to me. He was my property. I was his owner and that was the dynamic. And I was responsible for a host of things, including his workouts, what he wore, wake up times, bedtimes, all that kind of stuff. Right. So it goes beyond the bedroom for sure. That's why it's yes, the dynamic. Absolutely. That's the whole point. Like, that's what it is. It's if, much bigger than just what you're doing, you know. If you want it to. Right. You can also encapsulate these things too. So, like, if I'm negotiating an owner property dynamic, let's say, with CJ, but for whatever reason, like, we're not, we don't want to be in 24 hour TPE because that doesn't What's make sense. TPE? For us. Sorry. What the fuck is TPE? Total, total power exchange. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so like we don't want to be in that, but we, but we want to be able to engage in a way that feels that way for a small amount of time. You could do something simple. Like one thing I did with Sam as we backed away from total power exchange was I just had a note that said owned. And when I wanted him to be in power exchange, I would have him put it in his pocket. Like you can do small things that create those containers to engage in, in power exchange for encapsulated amounts of time as well. Right. Now, what about this whole thing about you guys, uh, you know, going over and sleeping over other people's places now? Yeah. So that was relatively new. Um, Paul was dating somebody who was a bit far away and it made a lot of sense for him to go and spend the night there. And so he did a couple of weekends away. And when he did that, CJ would come here and spend the night with me. And, you know, of course our daughter's here as well. Um, And so we started doing that. We added that, I guess that was in April, March or April. And that has been, well, when we do it together, like at the same time, it's been pretty good. We've had trouble sticking the landing. I have to say coming back together after those weekends has been a bit harder for Paul and sometimes for me. And that's been a bit of the challenge. But also this past weekend, I went away for my first weekend at CJ's. He recently moved into a new place. And so I went by myself and Paul was home with our with our child. And that was something very new and different for everybody as well. I think it's really, I think that was probably one of the harder things that he's ever had to do in in polyamory. I mean, no one wants to be alone. Yeah. But, you know, it's also important when you are breaking codependencies and learning to be separate and giving every relationship the attention that it deserves because everybody needs alone time like Paul needs alone time with me and so does CJ but also the three of us need time to also be all together because we are very we're we are kitchen table which means that like we could plausibly like hang out together and do whatever but in addition to being kitchen table we're also lap sitting which is my least favorite polyamorous term but that's what it is which means that we engage sexually with one another and so we also enjoy being all together and forging those like bonds and relationships and that's also very important as well as the the importance of the four of us being together, me, Paul, Heidi, and CJ, and and me taking time to be alone with Heidi sometimes. Yeah. So having the ability to do overnights and to be separate from one another, as well as coming back together, is really important in, in the long-term polyamorous experience. 
Right. But go back a little bit to the point where you said that, oh, you know, it was very hard sort of finding his way back after, you know, he spent the weekend there also for you as well. Was it that because his attention was like someplace else? And so when he came back, it was just like hard to switch it and now be with you because his head was still there. I mean, what what was that shift that happened that was uncomfortable or challenging? I think that for Paul, it's a little more challenging for him to come back together with me um, after those weekends because he's, you know, he's not really been able to forge a strong love story yet in polyamory. He's had relationships, but, and I have to say, this is the weirdest, one of the weirdest experiences to sit adjacent to is that he has had a lot of situations where women are dishonest or using him for a specific purpose like he was dating somebody that was you know very interested in group sex and he felt a bit used in that direction Mm -hmm. and he didn't feel like the person took the time to get to know him or he's having like he thinks he's forging a really good connection and then like a dom moves a little too fast and says like okay you're gonna do these things for me and he's like whoa whoa that's not what i'm about So I think it's the first time that he has felt as a person, which, you know, women feel this all the time, like, oh, this person kind of like used me or I feel like they didn't get to know me or I'm feeling like I'm trying to forge an emotional relationship and this person just wants sex. (laughs) (laughs) So he's had a lot of trouble with that. And so when he comes back and I've had a weekend that is very clearly a love narrative that's happening. Right. He doesn't. It's hard. Okay. So it's that he's not, it's that you guys didn't have that same experience. That's what he wanted, but you got it and he didn't. His overnight was not so much a girlfriend experience. Correct. And like, and the thing is like, I experienced, I mean, I did have a love story with Josie and Tyler and I had a love story with Sam too, but what has emerged with CJ has been something very different than any of those other things. And that's been a real adjustment, I think, for for all of us. But for Paul, I think it's taken a lot more emotional work and it's and it's hard, you know. Yeah, and I'll how never is he dealing with it? That. Yeah, yeah. How is he dealing with it now? And is that because like you have real feelings for CJ and you know where does your husband fit in in that like is it like yeah you guys are equal it do you have any kind does he have any kind of like oh I'm always going to be the husband and this guy is the boyfriend or because you don't have those labels and you did say everybody's you know relationship needs to be equal is that why it's hard for him because he doesn't have sort of that special place and because you're moving in on CJ too Yeah, I think it feels that way for him a lot. It doesn't necessarily feel that way for me. But I think everybody struggles, like everybody struggles to find their place in this. And even me, it hinges. So like between Paul and CJ, I'm a hinge. And so for Paul, yeah, that's the insecurity, right? Like she's been with this person seven months and oh my God, like I've been with her 18 years and like now I'm supposed to like share equally with this person like are you are you kidding me on the other side of that cj's like oh my god i've only been with her seven months and i can never compare to the 18 years and here i am sitting squarely in the middle at the beginning of one love story in the middle of another one you can't compare your beginning with someone to the middle of someone else right Right. Mm -hmm. so 
they sit so apart for me and they're very unique and and both of these men are very exceptional men and they give me very very different things they're they have some similarities but they're very different people and to me and this is like one of the like what when I had the relationship with Sam, there was something about my relationship with Sam that kind of enhanced my relationship with Paul. And the relationship with CJ has that same kind of quality. It, it becomes very circular for me. So the the kink dynamics, the emotional care, the physicality, the 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 sides of myself that I'm able to express in both of these relationships, the two of them in tandem make me really feel like a whole person. So I almost feel, I get to a point where I feel like one almost can't exist without the other. It's kind of like a balance. Yeah. And so it's really hard as the person in the center to kind of explain that nothing, nothing would ever feel right without both of these things existing. I need them both separately, but I also need them together. Yeah. But that might be the, you know, the thing that that reality, you know, is probably what scares the shit out of your husband because you guys did exist for so long you know where he was your end-all be-all so you know you could understand that's the that's where that insecurity comes from because he knows that on some level you you know he exists because these other people do and it's so good because of that but it's it's not just him you know what I mean he doesn't have that anymore Yeah. And I think it's like, there's, you know, Carl Jung talks about like the paradox, like holding two separate and opposed truths, one in each hand. And if you can do that, like, Mm -hmm. that's the sweet, that's the sweet spot. Like that's, that's what life is all about. Right. Right. And, and to me that characterizes basically everything about polyamory is it's like, you're, you're constantly called to, to hold these two really opposing things in your in your one in each hand and like live with both of those truths simultaneously Mm -hmm. and that kind of is like the essence of like what we're called to do here on a constant basis right and I think it's challenging like it it breaks a lot of the things that we've been conditioned to learn and think and for me I love it like and I don't just love it because like oh I've got these two relationships right because no, the whole I think first intellectually year I think your brain is just wired to you know probably you need all of this to survive or you'd be so fucking bored I don't know I just think you know you just <laughs> you know what I mean like I don't know I just think you you know you are just that open that you you have so much unoccupied space you need all this and if not you would be going a little crazy maybe that's what was going on for you before you had that you know sort of shot that time that that thing shattered in you and you really came into your own you know you probably just needed a lot more and that's how you're wired and you know that's just who you are and I think you know, maybe, you know, I sometimes think like someone who's a very high IQ, like really super smart, you know, sometimes you need more. Isn't that where that ignorance is bliss thing comes around? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it must be. I, and I think you're right. I think that some people are uniquely wired for this lifestyle. And I also think that it's kind of that, you know, CJ and I were talking about this more recently, like, you know, back in my 20s, like I was like an acid dropping hippie. Right. And it was as though I woke up one day and I was like, oh, my God, you fucking guys 
you fucking guys at this concert right now, like high on acid, like you're not doing anything. Like I thought we were supposed to like take the drugs and then change the world. Where's the change the world part, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I felt really like jaded by that experience. Yeah. But when I think about like my vision in polyamory and like what, what multiple relationships with like highly functioning, intellectual, emotionally intelligent people who are good at fucking mm -hmm. and fantasy and gardening and cooking and science and education. Yeah. Like when I think about the individual level that that could revolutionize things, that's like, I, I think that this polyamory is a dropping acid version of being in relationships and yeah. learning about yourself and radicalizing like how we interact with each other. Right. I love that. I think I could totally see that. And I, t that, t that makes sense. And I wonder how many acid dropping former <laughs> hippies that <laughs> thought that was like the top of the mountain or where they wanted to be realized that that's not fucking it. And they're, you know, d doing this, you know, I, it's definitely yeah. not for at everyone. But it, I, I love that not only is it right for you, but you're also going out and educating people about it talking about it and your voice like I said is very strong and I you know I hope like it let me ask you just one quick question about your your husband do you it was is he also like all those things that you are like do you think like is do you ever get worried that he can't do it in the long term I you know I don't think so I, I mean it's always a possibility right right but I, mean, I you don't, know him. I mean, you you feel like I he's do. cut out. You, I don't know him. You just told me little things about him. But I'm just wondering, do you ever get nervous because he has all these bad experiences and he's still a little insecure and, you know, he's not, it doesn't sound like he's living as like the best life as you are. Do you ever worry that he could say, hey, you know what, this isn't for me or it, or no? Of course, I think we always have to uh, a lot for the for the possibility that somebody yeah. could say, "Hey, this isn't for me." Yeah. But for me, like when I think about the lives that Paul and I have led over the last eighteen years and all of the amazing and great adventures we've had, yeah, I I have great faith in like my ability to walk this path with him, right? Like. I don't, I don't suspect that whatever the future holds, that it doesn't hold us being together. Uh -huh. Um, and I, I, I don't think that I, I, at several points in our life, people have thought that I overestimated his abilities and I don't ever think I have. I think I know exactly who he is. He yeah. is not the fastest person to change, uh -huh. but I also don't think that if he wanted to stay in one position or be comfortable his whole life, there's no way he would have chosen to be with me. Right. I get the chills like a couple <laughs> times and all that stuff that you said that it's just like, that's what I, that's what I think was important to say. It's like, you know him and you see through and you know that this is right for him, you know, because I think that some people would be confused because a little, a couple little things you know, that were said, people could judge it and say like, hey, this is not fucking right for this guy. But you know, yeah, him deeper, you know, and you've been with him so long that the thing is, yeah. at one point, at one point or another, I think that he will encounter like his his big love story in this. Yeah. And like one of the things that I 
can't wait for is like that moment when he falls in love with somebody else and like the two of us are able to like comprehensively love him and he's able to see that through like a double lens. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you've you already, know? you already kind of have that, right? Yes, I do. And and to be fair, like there like Paul recently like made a joke to me. It wasn't necessarily a joke. He was a little frustrated when he said it, uh-huh. but he was like I thought when we started this, we were going to get a second wife. Now we have a second husband. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and it, it, it's actually very true because, I mean, years and years before this ever started, we would say like, oh my God, how great would it be to have a second wife? And we like, there was a couple of brushes with people that we were like, I would just, can she just be our second wife? So like, I know that these people exist out there. I've met them. <laughs> Right. And we will find them. (laughs) You'll get that second wife eventually. But right now you're having fun, having your foursomes. You have Heidi, you have CJ. I hope people can keep track of all these people. Paul is the husband. Heidi is the, you know, the cream pie girl. The intimate friend. The intimate (laughs) friend. She's going to love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now tell everyone again where they can find you where they could buy your zine to learn more and hear more about your story. Give out all that information. So I'm on Patreon at Annie Undone. I have one tier. It's $5. It gets you on my close friends list and my long form essays and my playlist that I share from Spotify are all on my Patreon. You can pre-order or order 24 hours by emailing me at at AnnieUndone at gmail.com. As well, I'm on Instagram at Annie underscore undone. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. 24 hours, I'm going to continue to print as long as there are orders coming in. Um, How many pages is it, And by the way? It's 88 pages. Okay. It's, I think it's approximately 50 poems. And it's a, I'm, I'm really proud of this work. It's good work. It's something that I just kind of poured all my raw feelings into and it really came out as something raw and beautiful and very honest. And so if you want to hear the gamut of emotions that poured out of me in the first year and a half of polyamory, they are all there for you. Yeah, there you go. And most likely this is going to be air. This is going to air when it's already out there, right? So they will be able to, you know, go directly to you. It is available now. They could purchase it from you. Do you only have like a certain amount? Like they got to fucking hurry up and get it. I printed a hundred. Okay. Initially, those first hundred, I am shipping out with at ten dollars, no shipping. The second round that I'm printing will include shipping. So if you get in on the first hundred, you don't have to pay shipping, and if you get in on the second hundred, you're gonna have to pay two dollars. All right. Well, I know the timing about this, and I know that I'm gonna be airing this like right after this zine drops. So you better fucking go and buy it now if you want to, or else you're gonna have to pay for shipping, right? Yeah. Which is arguably not that bad. It'll be worth it. Shut up. I'm trying to sell um, your zine. Don't <laughs> cock block me. <laughs> it's a call to action. We gotta just tell them to fucking do it. <laughs> yes, yeah, just do it. Just do it. You're, you're so it. you're so the art as like no, don't worry, it still won't be a lot. No, I'm like the business person. Like <laughs> shut the fuck up. Let's make them. So we, it, they buy it. Should, yeah, that's the incentive. I, should also say, I sell my original artwork on 
Instagram as well. And I can put custom messages like you're my favorite slut over top of them. Oh, there you go. So go over to her (laughs) Instagram, follow her. I'm going to have links to everything in the description. Thank you so much for calling in again. Thank you, Kathy. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I love it so much. That's awesome. Thanks, Annie and Don. Talk soon. I'm sure we'll talk again. Yes. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly